found it. It's the Japan What Podcast coming at you from the back end of Tokyo, the armpit of Asia. It's me, Matt Bigelow, from the Shinjuku Gyoen Kinko's Teleworking Studio in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. Welcome to the podcast. MatthewPMBigelow.com is where you can go to get all of your Japan Web podcasting needs. I am self-consciously and surreptitiously going to crack this open because I'm not even supposed to doing any of that type of stuff here. 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 We. 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 Go. That's enough of that. <clears throat> this is a version two of this podcast, episode 101. I had to redo it. The first one didn't work out so well. I want everybody to know who was involved with that. It's fine. Um, I think we're cool. I hope we're cool. Just not everything works out all the time. So I am titling this episode Creepy Weirdo Follower um, or something to that effect. The reason is not because of some social media thing, although that's kind of my hope in, uh, you know, tricking people. It, the, the other day I was followed, and I want to talk today about um, transitional spaces. Uh, we don't have many guns here in, in Japan. Um, you know, if you look at some of the people on Twitter, they, they go hunting. They got guns off in the in, in, in where you're supposed to have them, and it's a strict regimented thing and you have a certain amount of bullets that you can have it's super strict anyways everybody knows that japan isn't really a gun place nevertheless that doesn't mean it's exempt from weirdos and crime so transitional space what is a transitional space well i was followed the other day somebody followed my family and i my wife my very young children and i and we didn't realize we were being followed um until we, you know, eventually you realize. So what is a transitional space? Well, a transitional space is uh, it's one of those between spaces, uh, like uh, paying for something at a convenience store is a transitional space. You are doing a transaction and people are coming and going through the door, which is kind of near you. If there's a criminal with intent, it puts you at a deficit because you're distracted with paying. Maybe you're buying some snacks and you're getting excited to eat them. They can launch an attack on you in that transitional space. Another typical transitional space would be in a car. You're getting home, um, you're fumbling through your keys, maybe you're just checking your messages to see if somebody's, you know, you made, did you pick up the onions or whatever from your wife? And somebody sees you in a car and you're about to go in your home, you obviously have your valuables on you. That's when they can launch a attack. It's a transitional space. So we were in a transitional space, just coming out of one at the supermarket. We had bought a bunch of food, big shopping trip, excited about all the stuff we're going to have, all the stuff we're going to eat. One of the first times we're out as a family with, uh, you know, the young baby and the, and the little boy. And we, so we, we didn't realize that somebody was following us until we stopped and he stopped. And this appeared to be, you know, we're in Tokyo, so there's a lot of construction going on. And a lot of the people doing the grunt work are um, foreign nationals. Uh, especially South Asians and, uh, and this person I don't think was Iranian, but for example, just markets, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of demolition work could be done by um, Iranian outfits these days. And some of them are operating near here. Uh, just kind of an interesting business trend. This has nothing to do with Iranians, but so we've noticed this kind of a foreigner Asian guy following us and he had almond eyes, but very dark skin and a mask on. And um, we're an international family, so sometimes it's pretty common for people to go, oh, look, it's an international family. So we, well, I was wondering, like, is he doing that? And we would stop because my son was distracted by something, and he would stop. And each time we stopped, he would stop a little bit closer to us, and he had these AirPods on, and he was mumbling into the AirPods. Not in Arabic language, but who knows what he was saying. Staring at us, leering at us, kind of walking, pacing back and forth. And the weird thing is, is that once you realize you're being followed, you know, you're at a deficit. How long has this person been following us? Why is he following us? What is his intent? You have 
no idea. The intent could be, oh, I'm just curious. I'm a, I'm a foreign national, and I see a foreign national family. I wonder what they're doing. But he got really creepy, uh, where we would stop at a vending machine, because uh, my son is enticed by the design on, on, on the lower half there, and he would just stop and watch and pace back and forth. We're in a dense urban neighborhood, so it's pretty common for people to just be coming and going and milling back and forth. So there's, there's other people coming and going. And they don't realize the situation that we're in. So we're trying to assess what to do. Um, I'm thinking, should I talk to him? No, because what if that flips him out and he has a knife? I'm with my family. Do I really want to be involved in an altercation in front of them? The answer is no. So, you know, I just decided to keep my uh, voice non-existent. Um, my wife pretty much did the same. And eventually he he gets gets the drift that we're where we know he knows that we know, that we know, that he knows. One of those things. And he kind of walks past me very close and nods at me with the ear pods still in his ear going, <laughs> really strange behavior. And he walks down the road and he turns the corner. But in Tokyo, we have all of these mirrors on almost every corner. And that's to help you assess if traffic is coming and going. And I guess it's also for security measures to see if somebody is there. We see him turn around the corner and we see him wait on the corner in this mirror. Uh, he doesn't realize the mirror because the mirror is like quite high and it's pointed down. And so we wait for like two minutes and he's there just waiting for us to come by. I don't know what he's doing, but once you have some dude waiting for you on a dark corner and he's just waiting there and waiting there and waiting there. Whoa. We're glad that we stopped and he eventually left he walked away and we could see him walking away in the mirror finally so uh, all's well that ends well but it really was a creepy moment but i just wanted to begin with saying that if you are in a transitional space you should be aware all it takes is just looking around and i'm pretty good at that uh there's a youtube channel i follow it's a lot of american crime or south american crime called active self-protection it gets pretty brutal, so if you if you have a weak stomach, um, don't watch it. But it's all about uh, learning how criminals act and how to protect yourself from them. So uh, if I hadn't had watched those videos, I may have confronted the guy or I may have done something a little uh, more unusual. But I just decided to keep my cool, keep distance, huddle as a family, think about calling the police, and also think about possibly getting other people involved. You know, if he had come up to us, any closer i may have asked for help or something like that or drawn attention to us but luckily we we didn't have to do um such things so there is that so that is today's um lesson in transitional spaces you don't know when they will affect you because you as a non-criminal are at the deficit of the criminal but you can buy time if you are aware of what they're doing and you know what to do in that situation. So wait for the moment to act. In this case, it was to not follow him and wait for him to go away. That was the way we handled it, but it could have gone a million different ways. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, I assume that he's probably just a day laborer and we don't have to worry about him too much, but my Spidey's ticking now. So everybody out there stay frosty, especially have kids. If you're a big male like me, uh, you don't have to be worried so much most of the time. But if you're with young kids and then a small woman as well, well, how are you going to defend all of those people if you're if you're if you're drinking a lot of beer all the time, right? All right, that's that lesson. All right, we got a busy day for us today, and we're gonna take a quick look at a at a new product just to lighten the mood from that creepy weirdo follower. This one comes to us from Sora News 24. The hate read of the week is something I cannot shake, will not shake, and uh, refuse to shake. And of course, I like Sora News 24 now. I've they've they've like a parasite have have bonded in my brain somewhere, and uh, I kind of like them now. But in true nature, we call this the hate read of the week. Japan's cat robot waiter now available to build at home with blocks. 
Eat Your Heart Out Lego. This comes to us from Una McGee. I don't know what kind of name Una is. Ever since the start of the pandemic, companies in Japan have been ramping up efforts to provide contactless services for customers. For restaurant operator Skylark, that meant rolling out a fleet of robot waiters. And by December 2022, they had 3,000 of them working in 2,100 branches across their Gusta, Shabuyo, Bamyan, and Jonathan restaurants. Called Bellabot, these robots look like uh, waiters, uh, but they're cats, robots, uh, smoothly delivering meals from the kitchen to the customer's table. Uh, Of course, I'll be posting pictures of these at the website, MatthewPMBelo.com. These adorable robot waiters have been welcomed into the herds of customers across the nation with people falling in love with their cute look. They've become so popular that Skylark Skylark has now introduced a miniature version of the Bellabot for customers to construct at home with Lego-like blocks. And as soon as our reporter Seiji Nakazawa heard about it, he immediately set out to buy one, stopping by a branch of Jonathan's that was said to sell them. And it goes on and on and on. This is just a normalization project, of course, to get kids used to the robots in these uh, shops. And I don't know, maybe if there's labor shortages, and there are, would you like to have somebody who comes and goes all the time and is late? And what would you like to have a a waiter robot? You put the, it knows where your table is. He puts the order, somebody in the restaurant puts the the food on the robot, it drives over to your table, you pick it up, put it on your table, and you're done with it. Not a bad idea. Japan doesn't have a tipping culture, but that's just kind of this weird new world where we're now in. Well, it is a weird new world, by the way. It's getting getting rather strange. Uh, but these uh, robot waiters also meow when you pet them. And I'll be posting a video of that as well from Sora News 24 to MatthewPayandBigelow.com. Thank you very much, Sora News 24. You are the hate read of the week. Uh, SDGs are everywhere. Even in this Kinko's rental box, there's a poster for SDGs in here. You just can't escape it. Good luck escaping it. I'm trying my best, but even with the podcast that's against it, I'm still literally inside of it. We're going to take a look at the economy right now because we got a very big... Um, what you may call it, Society 5.0 segment for today. Let's go. Here we go. This comes to us from Kyoto News, and it's positive news, actually, and a lot of data here, and let's go. Toyota to be world's top auto seller in Jan to June for fourth year in row. As we have the night crises at Niger and in all of these places about to erupt, we can probably expect to see rows and rows and rows of Toyota trucks with 50 caliber machine guns festooned onto the back of them, as we saw in the ISIS outbreak as well, where they had lines and lines of Toyota trucks running around Syria or whatever. <laughs> Just weird advertising for Toyota. Literally good for any situation. Super trustworthy. Even the terrorists use them all the time. Toyota Motor Corp Group is said to be the world's top auto seller in the first half of 2023, outpacing Germany's Volkswagen AG and other rivals during the Jan to June period for the fourth straight year. Um, Toyota said it sold 5.42 million vehicles globally in the six months end of June, including those sold by the group's mini vehicle maker Daihatsu Motor Co. and truck manufacturer Hino Motors Limited, up 5.5% from a year earlier. The Japanese car maker said the solid sales came at a ramped up production capacity across the globe to keep up with rising demand amid an easing chip shortage. Volkswagen sold 4.37 million vehicles up the same period, uh, an increase of 12.8%. The Toyota Group's global output increased 10.3% to a record 5.63 million units. Its production outside of Japan also hit an all-time high of 3.53 million vehicles, up 5%. Domestic sales at the group rose 26.9% to 1.21 million vehicles in this period, thanks to the ongoing recovery from the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic and a parts shortage. And it goes on from there. I will say, though, that a lot of this stuff from the pandemic was caused by the, 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 the Chinese Communist Party sealing off Wuhan from the rest of the world. Wuhan, of course, is where the Wuhan Institute of Virology was situated across the road from that wet 
market where bats were being eaten, but they weren't being eaten, but we were told they were being eaten, and that's where everything happened. And if you question that the virus may have been leaked by um, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which was just right across the street, you would have your social media banned and called a right-wing terrorist. But that aside, Wuhan was also a center for um, parts construction, telecommunications, security work, um, as well as uh, chips and stuff like that, pharmaceutical stuff. So a lot of this stuff that we're seeing from the lockdowns and the coronavirus uh, pandemic, apparently, was just a direct result of everybody really just shaking up the economy and the supply chain routes. And so all this recovery, while it is true, it's also on the backs of some sort of bizarre, chaotic uh, worldwide event where we all had to give up everything because somebody was getting the sniffles. Uh, what a strange period. Anything else for the economy right now? Ah, yes. Yuan exceeds dollar in China's bilateral trade for the first time. So we have this great economic news about Toyota. Toyota represents a fair chunk of the Japanese GDP, actually, and uh, exports as well. So they're really enjoying the low yen at the moment. But uh, when we think about what's going on in China, I'm always like, China is about to be done. That's what I hear a lot. It's the youth unemployment's at 50%. It's done. But then also, this comes to us from the Nikkei Asia, which is just a, a New World Order repeating station with an editorial gravy poured on top of it. And it says, Yuan exceeds dollar in China's bilateral trade for first time. Well, that sounds significant, does it? And everybody says, well, pff, yeah, but there's no way it's going to replace the dollar. I mean, why would it? Well, maybe China's making their own system and they're venturing off into their own horizons. Just give me a second here and I'll begin this read. I'm having what you're having, Miss Listener. Or Mr. Listener. The yuan was used in 49% of China's cross-border transactions last quarter, topping the dollar for the first time, a Nikkei analysis shows, mainly due to a more open capital market and more yuan-based trade with Russia. So this is the Japan Web Podcast, but I'm putting this China stuff in here because as the G7 and the international community, as it's called, looks to um, uh, bash Russia for being bad, it's actually coming back onto the rest of us because we have such poor Western leadership at the moment. And when we try to bash these two people, they seem to just absorb it and come back stronger. And as China increases its economic weight around the world and incorporating more, more other structures into its yuan based ecosystem, we might see our pies shrinking a little bit more and people might say, well, it's only 2%. It's only 3%. It's only a 6% thing here. Yeah, maybe your pie decreases 10%. How do you feel about that? Or what if you have a foundation, a global foundation, and that's suddenly 10% missing? That's yeah, pretty significant after a while, especially the, China's, the Chinese government's approach to salami slicing everything instead of just doing, doing a Hail Mary and to like a, a football type of touchdown American style where the world erupts and cheers and you get your face published in the paper the next day. The Chinese method is like, we are going to just take this full salami, this tube of meat, and we're going to cut it into a thousand pieces from a thousand drops from a thousand regions of the torture chamber. Shanghai, Tokyo. The yuan was used in 49% of China's cross-border transactions last quarter, topping the dollar for the first time. I read that. Nikkei looked at international trade by companies, individuals, and investors based on currency using, using statistical data from the State Administration of Foreign Exchange of China. Nikkei's compilation does not include yuan-based settlements and yada yada. The Society for World Bank Inter sorry, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, Mr. Ms. Lizner. What does that mean? That's SWIFT, better known as SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, reports that SWIFT. As of June, the dollar share is the largest globally at 42.02%, including trades between countries other than China. The yuan represented 2.77% and ranked fifth overall after the euro, the UK pound, and the Japanese yen. Still, though, if you go back 10 years, there's it's almost nothing, right? So from, from nothing to number five. 
The yuan's share of global payments remains small, um, but it is up 1.81% from about five years ago. Cross-border settlements in the Chinese currency totaled 42.1 trillion yuan, or $5.85 trillion in 2022, the People's Bank of China reports. Okay, so how much do we trust that? You know, we're just putting it out there. Capital transactions accounted for 31.6 trillion yuan, or about 75%, with current account transactions such as trade making up the rest. Um, Yuan-dominated international payments last quarter grew 11% on the year to $1.51 trillion, while dollar payments shrank 14% to $1.4 trillion, the first quarter in which the Chinese currency pulled ahead in data going back to 2010. Um, we'll just go down to the bottom here. Uh, the Chinese currency made up a record 39% of total volume in Russia's foreign exchange market in March, the Russian central bank said. Uh, efforts to encourage international use of the currency stalled after a 2015 devaluation, uh, but President Xi Jinping said the party's uh, Communist Congress last October uh, said that the yuan's internationalization would be promoted in an orderly way. And I'll just look, go down to the bottom of the paragraph, the article here. Broader international use of the yuan has been hindered by tight controls on exchanging the currency and moving it in or out of the country, intended to prevent big market swings. Some of our observers expect Beijing to ease these restrictions gradually to strike a balance between stability and usability. Well, okay, observers expect. I don't know what that even means, but... Um, one idea is that the tight controls on Japanese currency is so that all the billionaires don't take all their money elsewhere and change it into American dollars and flee the system and have kids in America and all that stuff. One other idea, though, is that maybe um, China doesn't want, maybe they're trying to keep it for themselves. Maybe they're trying to build up an international currency. And instead of um, increasing a market share in, in terms of like a pie we have like, oh, we have the Canadian dollars representing this much and the euros this much and the yuan this much and the dollars this much. And it's like this big pie and it, the percentages come and go, but it's all one pie. Maybe maybe China's making their own pie. That's one thing to, to consider. And they don't want their currency being intermingled with other currencies because it might be absorbed by those currencies, which, as we can see from the data in this article, represent way more of a market share. So by preventing their own currencies from, from currency from bleeding into other markets, they therefore make their own pie, just like how they made their own internet, just like how they made their own surveillance state, just like how they made their own way of government in a way, this weird hybrid of techno-fascism, communism, socialism, all this type of stuff, with a command economy that is allowed to operate freely until it reaches a certain level, in which case the Communist Party comes in and commandeers it for their own needs. Um, maybe that's that's their trajectory. And that would that's my own internet, that's my own, that's my own analysis on this. But I, I believe it to be true because when you look at the wider perspective of the use of the yuan, they want to use it with their um, digital yuan with 5G networks that are also incorporated into their Belt and Road Initiative. And I've mentioned this before, where you can have a shipper in Guangzhou um, dealing with coffee producers in Africa somewhere, Kenya, just for example. And people in Guangzhou order the coffee, and then the shipper organizes that coffee, and then the ships go out to China, and, and then the trains that are operated by Chinese firms go to these villages where the uh, payments have been done via QR code with um, with the residents of Guangzhou, and, and the, the shipping industry has streamlined it, so the 5G networks are incorporated onto the ships themselves and everything's checked as it would be in a supply chain that we get for like our Amazon goods where somebody hands us a package and then we get an email. The same thing could be constrained within their own Chinese system and backed by the yuan. And when we see other countries agreeing to trade with yuan more and more, it could be that uh, these other countries are appealing to join in this international shipping network backed by the yuan and have less American dollars incorporated into their economies and therefore fewer involvements with the International Monetary Fund and other um, very aggressive uh, debt 
debt chasers. And, you know, Chinese system is also known as kind of debt based or debt trapping and stuff like that. But look at South America, Argentina and certain other countries, uh, uh, Pakistan and maybe now Sri Lanka that are just being um, overridden with obligations to the International Monetary Fund. And maybe other countries look at this and say, well, it looks like you're backed by freedom, but are you? Maybe I'm just going to try and doing like what this China says. In China, business is business. But in America, business is politics. And you're like, oh, my God, you're right. But, I mean, let's face it. I mean, business is politics in China as well. So that's going to be the economy segment for today. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we have the Toyota kicking ass, but we also have Yuan in a much more macro global scale commandeering more and more of the debt hydra that enslaves humanity. Here we go. All right, now we got to do a very long segment on what's it called? Society 5.0. Now, of course, the Japan Web Podcast covers um, economic trends, AI news, and more and more we focus on things like eating the bugs and something called Society 5.0. And I, this is a very broad category that was invented by the Japanese government, and they want to work with telecommunication companies and startups to kind of create this new society 5.0, and it involves AI, uh, drones, payments, uh, and all that type of stuff. So it's all it's like it's everything lumped into one, and we call it the future. And then in it's society 1.0 is like tools, society 2.0. I mean, hunter-gatherer. Society 2.0 was farming, and then, but, but, but right now we're in Society 4.0, which is kind of this hybrid thing. But they want to completely digitize everything while remaining this very paperwork society in Japan. So that's Society 5.0. And a lot of people are familiar with this uh, lead-in here that I like to use, and this was made by the Japanese government to promote their own program called Japan Society. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of... One major thing that we see in the Japan Society 5.0 trends, or we even extrapolate this into worldwide because it said the fourth industrial revolution in that promo clip, and that is, of course, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab speak, and uh, the World Economic Forum is very embedded into a Japanese way of doing things. Um, a lot of the leading politicians meet with Klaus Schwab semi-regularly. If Klaus Schwab comes to Japan, he'll just go to the prime minister's office and they'll have a meeting. You know, that's just what that's just what, you know, economists from Europe do. They just walk into other countries and meet with the prime ministers there. I'm sure you've done that as a listener to this podcast where you kind of go, I know about the economy. I want to meet the leader. And you just escorted right in. They have flowers and everything, right? That happens all the time, doesn't it? Uh, so the idea between um, centralized and decentralized networking is gaining more and more steam here. And um, uh, this podcast is moving into podcasting 2.0, which is a decentralized protocol built system where people can provide um, services to each other, including tipping through Bitcoin, which you can do through the Podverse app. Uh, but we also have the idea of CBDCs coming in and uh, centralizing our digital payments. And it's all done through the phone. So you have this, this phone that's simultaneously operating as a decentralizer as well as a centralizer. When, I, when we use it peer-to-peer, like with Bitcoin or some stable coins like Monero, 
Um, it's terrible by the, you know, the government. Oh, we got to, but when the government says we'll basically use the same technology, but we'll call it a, a central bank digital currency, it's great. It's really good. And you need to use that. So we have these two like sides that are uh, very, um, not promotionary, but uh, vi- vigilant or, um, what's that when you're like a religion and you're promoting things, you know what I mean? So we have a couple of things here. We'll begin with um, the cryptoverse. So a lot of these charts will be posted at matthewpmbigelow.com. You can make a donation at paypal.me forward slash Japan WUT if you're so inclined. This is into the crypto curse. So KuCoins into the cryptoverse report reveals 3.8 million Japanese adults engage in crypto investment. And KuCoin is some... Uh, cryptoverse, cryptocurrency analysts, analytics firm, I guess, from Seychelles, uh, that weird island chain south of India. KuCoin, a top five global crypto exchange, has launched its 13th edition of Into the Cryptoverse report. This edition focuses on the burgeoning cryptocurrency market in Japan, offering a detailed analysis of the trends, preferences, and behaviors of Japanese crypto investors. The survey reveals that approximately 3.8 million Japanese adults, constituting uh, 5% of the adult population aged between 18 and 60, are actively engaged in crypto investments. The report is based on an extensive online survey conducted by KuCoin from May 5th to May 12th, 2023. Its study involved 400 people. Key findings. The report also highlights Japan's innovative tax policies, fostering a thriving crypto ecosystem, attracting startups and driving innovation. Uh, Japan, quote, Japan's crypto landscape is, involving, is evolving at an unprecedented pace, and we at KuCoin are committed to staying at the forefront of this transformation by fostering a conducive environment for crypto startups and businesses and recognizing cryptos as legitimate legitimate asset class. Japan is setting the stage for a decentralized and inclusive financial future. As the world grapples with the transformative power of blockchain technology, Japan stands ready to lead the charge. End quote. Johnny Liu, uh, CEO of KuCoin. Um, anything else? So they included a chart that we can take a look at here. And it says uh, 3.8 million crypto investors in Japan. It's a cool looking chart. It'll be posted at MatthewPMBigelow.com. 60% of crypto investors invested for over a year. This is from 3.8 million. Uh, 49% of young crypto investors are active traders. 39% of young crypto investors invest more than 10,000 yen. Uh, seven to $75, I think, at this point. And 41% of young crypto investors learn from influencers. So uh, all those people in the social media space uh, are promoting cryptocurrency and it's having an effect on younger investors putting their money. I also believe that with the uh, lockdowns and with the lack of uh, a solid financial future going on in Japan, a lot of the new jobs really pay dog shit. And um, if I was like young and somebody just said, hey, we're going to take away three years of your youth because like that's pretty we didn't have lockdowns in Japan, but things were really rocky for about two and a half, three years because of the response to the pandemic. Uh, I would believe that a lot of people stuck in the rooms with their phones might maybe the YouTube algorithm feeds them something about cryptocurrency and they take some money that they have and they start investing and looking into it. And the Japanese people are very clever with um, financial systems and point systems and stuff like that. They uh, they really like them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they took that know-how which exists in the culture for a long time now and applied it into the so-called cryptoverse. Uh, so we have this idea of that the 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 crypto versus is going. And this report comes to us from the Seychelles, from KuCoin, but the the next one I have is um, from within Japan, um, and this is about startups as well for Web three businesses, and this involves payments as well. And it says this comes to us from Forecast F O R K A S T dot news Forecast. You know, big, cryptocurrencies like to fork, so there's that idea behind it. Tokyo governor joins prime minister in promoting Japan as open for Web3 business. Uh, The Tokyo Web3, the Tokyo WebEx Asia Conference, which claimed to be the largest of its kind in Asia, wrapped up on Wednesday after two days of exhibitions, crypto-themed side events, and debate on what Japan needs to do to be a central part of the future of the digital asset industry. 
so we have this idea of now we have the the Japan the Bank of Japan wanting to introduce a trial run for a central bank digital currency a CBDC. Well, at the same time, we have the leaders of the government edging into the uh, Web three payment space to see maybe what's going on. So. Typical tactic of the leadership of Japan in politics is to see what's being used successfully by rival parties or companies incorporated into your own. So you smear them and then you say, actually, we have something similar, but it's good. As the two-day WebEx Asia conference drew to a close at the Tokyo International Forum, it's very swanky, in Japan's capital, the city's governor, Yuriko Koike, beamed in by video to congratulate the organizers and make the point that Tokyo is positioning itself to become a global crypto hub and center of digital innovation. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida also appeared at the conference via video address. He didn't beam in, he just appeared on the opening day. And Koiko reiterated the message that Japan and Tokyo in particular are now open for Web3 business and investment. Quote, Tokyo is working on the digitization of finance through decentralized technology in order to evolve into a world-leading international financial city, end quote, said Koike, the first woman to win the ba She pointed to the Tokyo Innovation Base, a cross-industry platform connecting government agencies, businesses, and academics with promising digital startups as an example of the city government's efforts to date. She also highlighted the recently announced Sushi Tech Tokyo 2024. Should I make that, uh, should I have fun with that? What do you think? Should I have fun with that? Do, 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 do. Sushi, Sushi Tech, Tech Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo 2024. 2024. Startup event to be held in the city of spring is a way for the capital to build on the momentum of this week's WebEx Asia conference. And then it says the Sushi, uh, Koiki said the decentralized technologies such as Web3 and the blockchain, the blockchain are said to bring about a major transformation in the global social economy, Koike said. Um, the WebEx Asia event attracted over 10,000 attendees, 300 speakers, and 130 individual sponsors. It had, they said, also attracted media coverage from 50 different outlets and most significantly for the, ne- the nation's Web3 industry, the interest of domestic mainstream media including national broadcaster NHK. So you, you kind of see the um, the dinosaur media and the dinosaur politicians trying to edge their way back in to eat up some of this pie or incorporate it into their overall vision for the future. Now, I now to me, when I, you know, if I'm going to be involved in cryptocurrencies and it's a burgeoning field and then you have um, major politicians who are in their 60s and 70s kind of say, oh, we support you. It's a kind of a threat. That's the way I view it. And I wouldn't be surprised if this actually has a negative effect. Like mom or dad, like coming in in the middle of a pillow fight at the beginning, the end, like at a sleepover. And it's like, oh, no, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to be here watching you pillow fight. Just just wait, wait, why are you stopping? Like, no, no, no. Just go, go on. It's fine. It's fine. There's no rules. Just because mom's here. Just because dad's here. There's, there's no rules. Come on. Just, uh. Yeah, come on, do the pillow fight. What? What? No, 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 no. These people exist within super hierarchical constructions. They're Machiavellian at at least, and psychotics the most. And I'm not sure if you should trust them. So, this idea of um, what do you call it? Uh, Web 3.0 from the perspective of a government that goes in directly into the Japan Society 5.0 perspective. Um, another thing that I'll be posting on the website that we don't have to get into right now is because it's not really about Japan. It says, this is from Zero Hedge, the CBDCs are coming and the elite plan to use these digital currencies to enslave humanity. Now, I think we all get the point here. Uh, and I'm like, I'm above two minds of this. I don't really want CBDCs because it, it is a little bit too much control. Like I remember being like, um, oh, I'll never use my credit card online. They will hunt me down and know me. And it's like, well, now we all use our credit cards online. I will never, um, oh, do, I will never go on a date that I met with somebody on the internet. Oh, well, you know, maybe I've never been on a date, but I've met plenty of people I've met on the internet and it's been really fun. So I'm not sure about this whole idea. Should I, They're going to put IC chips in our IDs and they'll be able to track us wherever they go, wherever we go. <laughs> yeah. And now we have the CBDCs and my paranoia is also 
firing off the same signals. But I wonder, I mean, with all this kind of SDGs, yeah, green technology, you can your your carbon footprint, and you've you've had too much meat. No more meat for you. It's already happening in places like China. And do we consider like um, the technology to be political? What I mean by that is we have cars. Wherever you have cars, it's almost like the same system of insurance and speed limits and all this. Like the wherever you have TVs, you have the medium is the message by Marshall, Marshall McLuhan. You have people organizing their their wherever you go in the world, people organizing their living rooms around the TV. Uh, so with this new technology, it's, is is it possible for the for values to restrict the reach of that technology? I'm not really sure. Because if we evolve into like a one world government where they say we need 500 million people and that meat is bad and you should just eat the bugs, should we be trusting them with this much power? Like, that's why I kind of prefer like the, the yes and approach. I like having nine different digital currencies in my wallet, for example. I just don't want one. I don't want one that's attached to my phone, attached to my phone number attached to my address attached to every every tax thing that I spend because it can calculate all that tourists in mainland China can now shop in Hong Kong with Chinese CBDC hmm, interesting um, Red Cross oh this is the will be different survey Japan Inc bullish on AI uh, oh sorry Bank of Japan's CBDC forum holds its first meeting, Ledger Insights Blockchain for Enterprise. So a lot of these um, news articles today aren't coming from Asahi or Mainichi. They're coming more from trade journals. So we see that FedCoin in the United States has just launched. China launched its own digital currency at the Olympics when it had the Olymp uh, the stupid winter Olympics, the dystopian Olympics and people doing half pipe jumps off of industrial wastelands and stuff like that. This comes to us now blockchain for banking news from uh, ledgerinsights.com. Bank of Japan's CBDC forum holds its first meeting. When was this published? Uh, July 21st, 2023. We are recording this on August 2nd, 2023. Mm, it's not exactly yesterday's news, but this is not a daily news. It's more like a recent trends with reflection and analysis, and that takes time. Yesterday, the Bank of Japan held its first meeting with the Central Bank Digital Currency Forum, a newly established group of 60 firms that will convene to discuss the development of a potential digital yen. Oh, I didn't notice that that was a link. The digital yen. Oh, I'll be posting that link onto MatthewPMBigelow.com. Seiichi Shimizu, Director of Monetary Policy at the Central Bank, emphasized the BOJ's global perspective and the need to leverage business expertise to help prepare for a possible launch decision. Notice how like they're right away in the first paragraph. Global perspective. Screw you, citizen. The form will establish two working groups to facilitate exchanges regarding future systems design with more to come later this year and next. Digital Yen's current status. After two years of researching proofs of concept, the POCs, the Bank of Japan uh, entered a pilot phase in April to test the technical feasibility of a digital yen, particularly with regard to the in integration with banks, intermediary networks, and other stakeholders. Oh, stakeholders, that is a... Stakeholder capitalism is a direct Klaus Schwab um, phrase. So right off the bat, we're saying, this comes ledgerinsights.com, we need a global perspective for our stakeholders. Wow, interesting. The central bank has not yet committed to issue a digital yen, a decision that could require a referendum. CBDC forum and working groups. The forum's participant list include... Uh, comprises a diverse group of some 60 private entities from across the CBDC ecosystem, including banks, technology firms, and blockchain providers. Some have already worked with the BOJ on previous digital yen ex uh, experiments, but others are somewhat new to the game. I was previewing this. Mm, big Bank of Japan to partner with big banks for digital yen CBDC tests. Hmm. The aim of this first meeting was to update participants on the central bank's CBDC initiatives and establish the first two working groups. 
One will focus on the connection between the CBDC system and financial institutions infrastructure to deepen the BOJ's understanding of the technical and operational considerations involved. International CBDC angle. One last note is the BOJ's emphasis on overseas trends concerning CBDCs. Other people are doing it, so we must as well. The central bank appears to be closely following the developments of the US, UK, and China, but it seems particularly interested in the digital euro, although this could be related to the fact that the EU has been more prolific in sharing information. Interestingly, the report only mentions the CBD efforts of other major economies, but not of the live CBDCs in the Bahamas, Jamaica, Nigeria, and the Eastern Caribbean, or the Caribbean. While Japan is an advanced economy and keen on digitalization, unlike other major economies, cash usage is still very significant. The group includes Japan's major banks and security firms. This will just be, for people interested, JPX Research Institute, JCB, a card provider, Sony, and SoftBank. Oh, I used to work with one of my students was the head of um, a blockchain project for SoftBank. I know quite a bit about that. And several blockchain firms, including Boostry, Coindesk, DataChain, Sodamitsu, SBIR3, and Startail Labs. But notice SoftBank, I didn't say anything about it. I got you covered. I support you. So mm, there we go. So anything else there? So that's uh, a lot of the CBDC versus the crypto versus Mm, that's more the focus for today's society 5.0 we'll probably see more of it going forward and um i'm uh okay i wouldn't mind a cbdc if i can also have crypto and i wouldn't mind crypto if i can also use cash oh geez earthquake just struck Oof. Oof. okay we're fine onward society 5.0 now with earthquakes. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a low cost, no matter where we are. AI and robots will enhance human ability and expand our infinite possibilities, helping us enjoy more fulfilling lives. <sighs> Society 5.0. 5.0. For the betterment of human lives. By having less of you. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Next topic. A few episodes I did um, uh, titled uh, Air Conditioner Feminists. And this is because I kind of said, what is with all these feminists? You know, they always want jobs next to air conditioners. You never hear about feminists saying, we need more women in garbage collection or we need more women in the sewers. Um, there's too many, too many men, too many men in the sewers. Why, do the, why are all the men in the sewers? Shouldn't we have women's in the sewers? Well, I stand corrected. Um, and where I stand corrected, I am willing to say I was wrong. Should I? Uh, nah, it takes too much time, doesn't it? I was hoping it would be easier. I, I, I was I, wrong. Hiroshima garbage collection firm attracts women with free day daycare to find success. This comes to us from the Mainichi, uh, Japan's national daily since 1922 from Hiroshima. Uh, of course, I'll be posting a picture of this to the MatthewPMBigelow.com website. You can see a rather um, cute Japanese woman uh, toiling with garbage to make ends meet. After a garbage collection company in this West Japan city made efforts to improve its working conditions and go beyond a male-oriented atmosphere, stand corrected, women, including many with children, now represent about 40% of its workforce. Quote, 
bye-bye, let's play again, end quote, echoed the energetic voices of children outside the entrance of the daycare center beside the company's building. Their mothers dropped by one by one from next door to pick them up and go home. This is the daycare center at the headquarters of the waste disposal company, Tayoko, based in Hiroshima's Aki Ward. Hiroshima's Aki Ward. Visiting the day before and after shifts is part of the daily routine for 26-year-old employee Haruki Tanaka, a resident of the Hiroshima prefecture town of Fuchu, who raises two boys aged three and five as a single mom. When Tanaka was looking for work, she searched for a company with an on-site daycare, regardless of the type of industry. Quote, when my child was born while I was working at my previous employer, I couldn't find a daycare and had to quit. So I narrowed down my search this time to workplaces offering daycare, end quote, Tanaka said. While garbage collection was once seen as a demanding, dirty, and dangerous line of work, Tile began to improve working conditions for those raising children when a new young president was appointed in 2016. The company had been struggling to come up with ways to turn around its finances and decided to aim for a worker-friendly environment. Tanaka joined the company in 2020 is now in charge of public relations. Wait a minute. Among other roles. Wait a minute. Isn't public relations a air, air conditioner-friendly line of work? Her boys stay in the daycare five days a week from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Quote, it's really helpful to have a daycare close to the workplace. I decided to join the company because it offered a woman-friendly work environment. And I made the right choice, she said happily. Finding a way for the company to provide child care. And it goes on and on. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just thought it was an interesting report about um, was the Japanese original was written by Kiyomasa Nakamura uh, from the Hiroshima Bureau uh, for the Mainichi.jp slash English. Well, the original's in Japanese. So I stand corrected. Now it seems like uh, they're offering daycare would attract a certain type of uh, woman looking for work and good for them. I say I stand corrected. The, the, although they, they, there were air conditioners involved at one level or another. So I'm not 100% wrong here. I'm just I'm just following up with trends that I've noticed. All right. Let's what was that? What the hell was that? That was Japan in Japan. So let's take a look at this one. We're going to move on to eat the bugs before doing some war. I'm going to eat all the bugs. You're just going to eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I've got one. I've got one. I'm going to go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Okay. So, I was uh, not intending for this eat the bugs to be a prominent feature on the podcast, but every week I look at it, and every week there's more stuff there. And it's all through this SDG kind of a thing. Um, and depending on where you are in the world, there's several tactics that can be used. Um, uh, eco is one of them. Culture is another one. In Japan, they often say it's cultural. Well, your culture does this. And if you do this, you can reduce food shortages. And that's why we're setting up a giant factory so that you can turn all these insects into powder and mix them into your bread. That's kind of the way it goes. Insect food. How does it taste? Seven kinds of stalls, including skewers of large crickets in Shizuoka. This is a, I have the links posted. This is a translation via chat GPT. On the 28th, an insect food stall opened at the jeans shop Osada Higashi Shizuoka store in Aoki, in Aoi Ward, Shizuoka City. It is a three-day limited event until the 30th. So this is long gone. The specialty shop Mushiya Tokyo Ueno which has a store in Tokyo, has opened its first shop in the prefecture, offering seven menu items, including meals and drinks. One of the signature dishes, dishes, quote, savory stir-fried two-horned grasshopper is known for its aromatic flavor obtained by roasting the grasshoppers. Raised on edamame beans, it carries a subtle hint of edamame flavor in the appetite. The tagame cider utilizes extracted components from stag beetles, or water beetles, offering a fruity aroma derived from the pheromones. Two-year-old Harayama Chiko-chan from Sudoku Ward tried the grilled giant chicken skewer and, while surprised by its appearance, expressed satisfaction with its taste, saying it was delicious. By the way, 
Every Japanese person ever, when they're given food and asked how it tastes, says it's delicious. It's it's like endemic. The stall also advises caution for people with food allergies. Okay, so that's one. The next one is a little bit more dystopian. Well, okay, so you have some people eating crickets at a fair. Big deal. To popularize eating crickets, Saijo agricultural students hold study session in Hatsukaichi. This one carries with it a real dystopian element in my case, and this comes to us from NHK, which was so interested in that Web3 application. A study session was held in the Hatsukaichi city by high school students working to popularize insect food. I mean, forced, which is attracting attention as a new source of nutrition to solve the world's food shortages. Right away, you can kind of see NHK is the Nippon uh, broadcaster, uh, the BBC or the CBC or the PBS or the, you know, whatever your whatever your propaganda network is. That's kind of NHK. So right, right off the bat, they're like, the students are popularizing because it's nutrition, world food shortages. It's so good. Around 40 citizens participated in the study session, which was held for the first time at a meeting place in Hatsukaichi City. Um, the students explained that crickets are highly nutritious and inexpensive to grow. Oh, economic reasons are also very popular in Japan. So they are expected to be a food ingredient that can solve the world's food shortages, just as repetition from the NHK. On top of that, they introduced uh, the breeding uh, crickets at school, and uh, they are currently raising about 10,000 crickets, and they're developing various cuisines to spread cricket food. After that, when the participants and the um, attendees made and tasted curry bread with cricket powder, okonomiyaki, and deep-fried crickets, they said, can you believe it? It's delicious. A woman in her 80s who participated said, I'm very happy that young people think about things that we don't think about, and I think it's a good initiative. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound like somebody who really just enjoyed a meal, or does that sound like, I have no idea what's going on, I'm old, and I'm just going to say something nice and move on to other things. I'm going to go ahead and get some chicken. A third-year student at Saijo Agricultural, Credit, uh, Agricultural High School said, I want people to have a good image of crickets by listening to our stories and actually eating them. Because not everybody wants to eat them. You see the PowerPoint slide and all the diagrams, then you look at the food, you're like, yeah, I don't think so. But what's especially dystopian about this is that there's a video, and I'll be posting the video to MatthewPMBigelow.com, where you have these, you know, agricultural students, a lot of them in this, in this video are women, girls, and they're wearing masks still, and they're cooking up crickets and feeding them to old women. It, I'm like, this is a horrible future, people. I mean... And they're only wearing masks because of this COVID restriction stuff that still goes on. Whenever you're around old people and in part of like an institution somewhere, you have to wear a mask still in Japan. So it's just like you wear a mask and then you cook up a bunch of insects and feed them to your elderly you know, people and say that this is going to solve food shortages. Ultimately dystopian. And when you just look at it and think about it that way, you're kind of like, what, what are we doing with the kids, man? Uh, I don't want my kids involved with this type of stuff. I don't want this to be like some future thing, you know, wear a mask, eat the bugs, feed them to your grandmother. And then like before you feed it to your grandmother, like this is going to solve world hunger, you know, please enjoy it. Do you like it, grandma? Um, yeah, sure. Thank you, you crazy kids. And as if grandma's going to complain about anything their grand children do uh and that is eat the bugs for today notice it's all the ways the same it's always the same this is your culture it's gonna be economic um and now we're gonna mix in this cricket powder and you're gonna cook it for your uh, grandparents and that's good i hate it i'm gonna eat all the bugs okay you're just gonna eat them one at a time though okay okay I've got one. I've got one. I'm going to go catch that one. We'll finish the one that you have in your mouth first. All right. Let's do war. That'll finish off the podcast for today. Where's war? Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good. For the good. Die for the war. Die for the war. This, just a couple of paragraphs here. Um, 
Japan weighs selling rest of NTT stake for defense funding. NTT is one of the major three telecommunications networks in Japan. Full privatization of telecom company on the table despite legal hurdles. It comes to us from Nikkei, and it's, it's a partial pair article because I don't have the subscription. The Japanese government will consider selling its 34% stake in Nippon Telegraph and, Telecom- and Telephone, NTT, to help fund its defense buildup, a senior official from the ruling Liberal Democratic Party said Tuesday. We will move forward with discussion, including the possibility of full privatization, LDP policy chief Koichi Hagiuda said in a party meeting. So the idea of um, making a new military in Japan, uh, increasing taxes and stuff like that could really damage the ruling party's image. And they, uh, above all, do not want that. So they are considering selling off those private assets worth a lot, by the way, worth a pretty penny indeed. Um, One more for the for the war for the war today is... China says U.S. military aid to Taiwan will not deter its will to unify the island. Now, a lot of people are saying that Taiwan is the next uh, Ukraine, but I think Africa right now could be the next Ukraine, depending on how it goes. Um, By the way, uh, Niger, uh, change your name as a country. Can you please? It's like you read it in the newspaper. Niger General says, like, what? Oh, Niger General. Hey, we, we we need more equality in the world, says Niger citizen. You're like, what? Oh, Niger. It's like, change your name. Burkina Faso, right next to Niger, pretty much. A beautiful name. Benin. Uh, even Nigeria has that thing at the end where you can kind of forget the beginning of that word. Uh, Mauritania, uh, Libya, uh, uh, Egypt, all these beautiful country names congo even though there's a congo drum that still sounds very nice to say and it's like what do you call people from niger do you mean niger or do you i i don't know i'm not talking about this let's talk about any other country including nigeria but i don't want to talk about the country niger change your name niger um so here we go my idea about the whole Taiwanese conflict that's going to brew, I think there's already a large percentage of the population that might not even mind being Chinese, like CCP. Um, we don't really see a lot of protests going on in Hong Kong. We do, but we don't, right? We and same thing with Taiwan and China. They're they're each other's like they're they're intertwined on every level except political. And I I would rather have Taiwan be its own thing. It seems like a cool place and a cool place to be. And uh, the spread of China, you know, as I live in Japan, is a is a thing. But my whole thing with the Taiwanese conflict that's brewing is, will the United States just use this as a way to um, in, to to divide, to so divide between Asian nations? Now that Japan and Korea are kind of working together a bit more, got good relations with Taiwan, even the trade stuff. Does does America see that as eating into its hegemony? And would they risk blowing up a place like Taiwan in order to um, increase uh, Asian nations with strong economies and trade into America? Just like I've mentioned this before, but with um with the Nord Stream pipelines in Europe being blown up and everything like that, now all of a sudden we have massive amounts of LNG. Uh, na- liquid natural gas flowing from America into Europe. Now we have these, so you cut off those supply chains, but then you bolster the other supply chains. So are they going to use the same tactic in a way with, with Taiwan? Just blow it up, just say boom, because we need those trade routes to maintain our hegemony. And I'm wondering if that's the whole idea here. So this comes to us from Huizong Wu. Um, from the Associated Press via japantoday.com. China accused the U.S. states of turning Taiwan into an ammunition depot. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> That's good, China. After the White House announced a $345 million military aid package for Taipei. And the self-ruled island said Saturday it tracked six Chinese Navy ships in waters off its shores. China's Taiwan Affairs Office issued a statement late Saturday opposing the military aid to Taiwan, which China claims is its own territory. 
quote, 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 China's People's Liberation Army has increased its military maneuvers in recent years aimed at Taiwan, sending fighter jets and warships to circle the island. Um, on Sunday, Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense said it tracked six Chinese Navy ships near the island. Taiwan's ruling administration, led by Democratic Progressive Party, has stepped up its weapons purchases from the U.S. as part of a deterrence strategy against a Chinese invasion. China and Taiwan split amid a civil war in 1949, but unlike uh, previous military purchases, the latest batch of aid is part of a presidential authority approved by the U.S. Congress last year to draw weapons from current U.S. military stockpiles so Taiwan will not have to wait for military production and sales. While Taiwan has purchased $19 billion worth of weaponry, much of it has yet to be delivered to Taiwan. Washington will send man, uh, portable air defense systems, intelligence and surveillance capabilities, firearms and missiles to Taiwan. Now, intelligence and surveillance and uh, man, portable air defense systems, that would mean drones. We have uh, Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan agreeing to create like a surveillance umbrella tied to the United States to monitor China. But I wonder if China has infiltrated America to such an extent that China would thus be able to gain access by traders within the United States system so that China would be able to access both its networks and the United States networks via uh, Taiwan, South Korea, and China, uh, Japan uh, surveillance technologies and create like a double super layer, which would give them an, uh, a military advantage and a naval advantage should problems increase um, in the Taiwan Strait, in the Taiwan situation. Uh, again, when we saw the uh, United States retreat from Afghanistan, the way that it sent hundreds of billions of dollars into Ukraine, uh, and if, if after this African debacle, soon-to-be debacle, is to, to explode and make the world the worst place. Next, they'll move on to Taiwan and just bomb the shit out of that place, too. I mean, bomb the shit out of everywhere until America's just number one again, right? Uh, and then uh, that, that could be the future of a prominent uh, East Asian uh, democratic environment here. Very worrying for me because... I'm wondering about uh, the the long term effects of these um, alliances and so on. So we'll, we'll see if if war does break out, it becomes more and more unpredictable to predict, and that's where I'll end my predictions for this prediction segment on war. Die for the war, everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war, die for the war. All right, and that's probably gonna. Soon to be wrapping it up for today. I wonder, do I have any final ones? As well, I didn't get to the stupid guy gen of the week. Uh, anything else for today that I mentioned? That's about it. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Remember to make a donation at MatthewPMBigelow.com. And you can also, via podcasting 2.0, look into it. It's really interesting. It's getting away from the big tech umbrella and establishing high tech solutions via protocols for independent podcasters or creators, whatever you want to call them. And that would be through the getalbi.com. That's where you get your wallet. Or you can go to uh, Podverse, which is the one that I like to use, the app. Uh, you can also donate directly at Matthew, sorry, uh, paypal.me forward slash Japan WUT. Thank you for listening, everyone. Make sure to go to MatthewPMBigelow.com to get the photos, links, and more. Why not visit us there? Thank you for joining us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Until next time, everybody. Ja mata ne. Ja mata ne. You'll see me.